0: i'm greg harton i'm the editorial page editor of the northwest arkansas democratic gazette and i'm joined today by rusty turner the editor of our newspaper here in northwest arkansas and today we have the opportunity to visit with nicole clowney who is approaching the end of her first term in the arkansas house representing the people of district 90 i'm sorry 86 If you don't mind, Nicole, would you just describe District 86 for us and give people a sense of exactly where that is?
1: Sure. District 86 is um, really downtown Fayetteville. So my family and I live in Wilson Park. Um, Wilson Park, the historic district, the University of Arkansas. That's all District 86. My district then extends west, kind of out Weddington, um, but it's only Fayetteville. So um, while Fayetteville has three representatives, my district is only Fayetteville
0: all right i appreciate that so tell us just a little bit about your your first go-round down in the arkansas house uh uh, you ran i believe uh uh last time with uh no opposition i think in the uh in the general election Do i
1: remember that right that's right i had a i had an opponent in the primary um now senator greg letting was the previous occupant of this seat um so when he left to run for state senate there were two democrats that ran to fill his seat and, um, the winner of that, which, which turned out to be me, I was unopposed in the general election.
0: Okay. Uh, and, and not the case in this one, you do have a Republican opponent in, in this race on November 3rd. Um, so tell us a little bit about your first, uh, two years and, and what you feel like you've accomplished during that time. And, and I guess go ahead and, and talk a little bit about why you want to go back for another term
1: sure um so my first two years it it seems like an eternity and also like the blink of an eye um the learning curve has been so steep there is so much for a new legislator to learn that um, i took a big chunk of my first term to listen and learn to those who have been doing this job for so long and what i found really i think pleasantly surprising about my first term was that that mentoring and that um, support system came from folks on both sides of the aisle. Um, you know, I think when you're in such a such an intense atmosphere as session can be, um, legislative session was at the very beginning of my first term. Um, you really find quick um, quickly, that we are not as divided politically as i think a lot of national media would would sort of make us out to be so i certainly found my first term that there's so much room um, for folks to find common values and work together to really tackle the issues that are actually facing most arkansans day to day in terms of what those specific issues were for me i think the bill that that i um was proudest to see across the finish line um, was one that i worked on with the firefighters Uh, that bill provides six months of sick leave for firefighters who contract um, one of a certain type of cancers that has been linked with fighting fires Um, we know that fighting fires makes um, makes one more prone to certain types of cancers and so this bill was just saying you know look these are the people that are always there to have our backs, to always help us when we need it. We've really got to do the same for them as a state. It wasn't partisan, it wasn't divided, it was hard. It was a hard battle, um, you know, because it's always hard to to find money and and to figure out the logistics of these things. But that was one sort of fight that I fought that made me think, oh, there is so much work left to do in the state um, that we really can do if we just kind of, you know, put the noise to the side and just, just heads down, get to work. So my first session was kind of getting a grip on all of that. And, um, now I'm just really excited to hopefully have the opportunity to go back in and, and just get back to work.
0: So what do you think you'd like to tackle in a, in a second term? I I know there were some things that, that you attempted to do in the first term that, uh, the, you know, timing or, or for whatever reason, didn't, didn't quite progress the way I'm sure you wanted to. Um, so what is there for you to do uh, when you go back and to lead on?
1: Yeah, Um, I certainly, um, I I had two bills that were related to um, victims of domestic abuse. I certainly would continue, would like to continue to focus on, on survivors of domestic abuse and, you know, think about creative ways that we can make um, make it easier for folks in abusive relationships to escape them and then to stay safe once they're out. Um, you know really, at the at the at the base of it all, I really want to aim for legislation that gives folks um, opportunity. So, you know, for with the firefighter bill say, I wanted to give people the opportunity to go home and heal and come back to serving the communities they love. I'd love to do bills that gave people the opportunity to escape situations that are unsafe for them, like survivors of domestic abuse. Um, and I also think that we need to do more to create opportunity uh, for Arkansans across the board. I think we need to look at some some pretty serious reinvestments in our pre-K program. Um, and as, as these last few months have shown us, um, healthcare. Healthcare is more important than ever. Um, I was just at a meeting yesterday, in fact, down in Little Rock about some prescription benefits that are being taken away Um, from from state retirees uh, because our, our retirement funds are running short so you know we've really got to think long term about how to how to build up our reserves so that when disaster hits next time we're ready i think the state has done a pretty darn good job of taking care of its folks during this um during the past six months of this pandemic and i think that we need to be prepared to do that again so that we are not left um you know left completely Uh, You know, almost in the red when and if these circumstances arise again. So I think there's a lot, there's a lot of room for moving forward, a lot of things that we need to focus on. I particularly would love to focus on survivors of domestic abuse, um, as well as some more general educational and criminal justice reform.
2: So you mentioned the pandemic. What's your general feeling of how the state has responded uh, overall? You, you mentioned that you've, you felt like the state had done a pretty good job taking care of folks, but overall, how has the state responded to the, to the emergency and to the crisis? And what, if anything, would you think the state needs to do differently?
1: You know, looking back at in hindsight, is 2020. Um, I will say that when I look back at when we had our tightest restrictions in the state, um, I'm not sure that we timed that exactly right. Now I'm not saying that if you know that at the time I would have known that Um, when we sort of shut it all down and I know we never had an official shutdown order, but we came pretty darn close. Um, And when that happened, it was really when the numbers were peaking in states that weren't ours. Then once we started to open back up, we saw those numbers peak here and we keep hearing that those that rise isn't related to reopening. I don't know if it is or if it isn't, but I do wish that maybe we had seen some tighter restrictions in place in those moments. Um, I think that's when we really could have used it. But I think overall, the governor has had a very hard job to do politically because there are so many folks um, on, you know, kind of the far ends of the spectrum, shut it all down and open it all up. And I think that's a very hard spot um, for a leader to be in, trying to, you know, kind of hear all of those concerns, look at the science, look at the data, and come up with, uh, with solutions that are going to, uh, to work for the health of our Kansans and are going to make our Kansans feel heard by their government. I think our governor's done a pretty good job of that. Um, all of that said, you know, there are certainly some things that um, that I'm worried about. I, I think that. Um, Uh, You know, there were some of the executive orders um, protecting, protecting business owners. Um, I think some of the, the rollouts in particular of some of our unemployment assistance programs. um, You know, I hated to see the delays in those programs. I was hearing daily from folks who were unable to, to afford food uh, because they were out of work because of the pandemic. And yet they had to wait something like eight weeks to get unemployment assistance from the state. Um, I think that's unacceptable. I ended up spending a day at, at, the, at our you know, DWS office here, just kind of walking around talking to folks and seeing on the ground how bad the problem was. And again, nobody was prepared for this by no fault of their own. But now that we've seen it, I would certainly hope that those sorts of delays would not come again and that, um, that we would be able to respond more quickly um, now that we could you know sort of have a better sense of what to expect.
2: Some of your colleagues in the legislature have expressed um, uh, the feeling that that the legislature was cut out uh, of, of a lot of the decisions that were made regarding the pandemic, so much so that they filed this lawsuit that I know you're aware of. So what's your response to that? Do you think, uh, do, is that a good idea? Is that the right way to go? Or, or do you have a different take?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I can't tell you how many phone calls I got over the course of the pandemic and, and emails and texts where my answer just had to be I am not a doctor. I am not a medical professional. I cannot answer this question. And in a way, I think that that, um, that sort of underlies my answer to, to those concerns as well. I know that, uh, that the legislature did feel left out of a lot. Um, but also, I'm, a, you know, I'm aware that this is, this is a pandemic that needs rapid response by public health professionals. Um, to my knowledge, I think maybe we have four or five of those in our state's legislature, but certainly not 135. And and so in those really specific, um, you know, when those decisions are limited to the pandemic and to a timeframe that is limited to the duration of the pandemic, I'm certainly comfortable leaving those in the hands of, of public health officials. I worry, you know, of course, um, that any system that gives any branch of government Unlimited and unchecked power is potentially dangerous. Um, And there are some decisions that I think the legislature, um, like the one I was just talking about with the retiree benefits, um, I think that some of those decisions the legislature needs to be brought in on earlier, Um, I would hate to see uh, the pandemic emergency those those powers kind of be broadened um, wider than they need to be in order to address the narrow circumstances of the pandemic.
0: Okay. Something that we've been going through uh, really alongside the pandemic is the tension in our country uh, with race relations and law enforcement. Uh, What do you feel like the role of of a state legislator is you know, given, given the very difficult time that our, our nation has faced with this, um, if, if you go back for another term, how do you expect that to kind of bubble up in our, in the conversations in the general assembly and, uh, and where would you like to take that?
1: Yeah. So I, you know, I, I think that it's a great way that you phrase the question, what is the role, um, because I think that there are so many voices that are in the public arena right now that are valuable for different reasons. And I think that we all have a role to play. I think we are coming to a real um, a realization that there are systemic inequalities that we have been either blind to or maybe not motivated to actively fix as leaders up until this point. And the question is, um, you know, how do we cope with that now? And I think that there's room at the table for all voices. I will never, as somebody who, who does not have to um, to bear the experiences that so many of my black and brown constituents and friends and neighbors have had to bear, I would never dream of telling somebody how to react to what it is that they experience. But what I can do as a leader is think of ways that we can take all of the voices that, that I'm hearing, how we can take all of those perspectives and think about how to productively move forward. You know, I think that um, there is so much appetite right now for really responsible um, changes in law enforcement. I feel very, very fortunate to be from Fayetteville where, and of course, you know, no department is is without, you know, any problems. And, and I don't think that Chief Reynolds would say that Fayetteville was without problems, but Fayetteville is such a leader in this state in terms of, of good relationships between law enforcement and the community in terms of really, really valuable training that makes a difference. Um, one of the places that I think we saw that firsthand was at the, uh, the rally in the days following George Floyd's uh, death. We saw law enforcement and Black Lives Matter protesters and you know everybody from you know every side of this issue come together and just for a moment say, okay, we are going to move forward together. Our police didn't show up in riot gear. Our police in Fayetteville expect the best of Fayetteville residents. And I think that in return, um, they get that. I think that goes a very long way. And so I think that um, doing what I can as a leader to reinforce trust between law enforcement and the community. Um, and that doesn't mean glossing over when really bad things happen at the hands of law enforcement. That means addressing it head on. And again, thinking of productive ways to move forward. But I think Fayetteville's given us a lot of great ideas on things that we could implement statewide in terms of training that would go a long way in, in um, addressing some of these inequalities that we're seeing system-wide.
0: So does, do I take that to mean that, that you would present some of that information down in uh, Little Rock or, or pursue legislation, Uh, you know, uh, again, in in Little Rock at the state capitol, what, what, uh, what's the appropriate thing to do as a legislative body?
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, the first thing that we need to do is, I think, um, collect data. I think it's really important as a legislative body that our decisions are data-driven. And so um, you know I don't have any particular bills on this in the works, uh, but I know that there are others who do, and I will be really interested to see you know what are what are our um, what our what are the problems that exist in our systems um, We can hear that anecdotally, and that matters, and we should take that in, but really what we need is hard data from what happens across the state um, in terms of these inequalities these um These injustices that our neighbors of color are facing. Um, And so I think that that's one really important piece of the puzzle with law enforcement. um, You know, there are lots of ways to do that. and I know that that a lot of my colleagues have some ideas. Um, You know, one of the things that I know uh, I uh, and a number of others are looking at right now is the data collection piece of our proposed hate crimes legislation. That's a really important piece of the bill that often goes untalked about because it's not as, um, I don't know, it's not as controversial or whatever, but to me, it's the part that I think I'm most excited about is we keep hearing that these things happen, but let's find out on paper, who are they happening to? Where are they happening? Where aren't they happening? In other words, what's going right in some parts of the state that may be going wrong in other parts of the state? Because you can't fix a problem until you understand it. And so I think that that's a really important first step. I'll also say that when it comes to my job as a legislator, I'm here to represent my district. I'm also here to work with 134 colleagues. And I have of those 134 colleagues, a number of them who are more directly impacted by particularly um, by racism than I am. And I think my job as a legislator is to take the concerns of my constituents to them to fight for them. Um, And then also to let my colleagues who are most directly impacted um, lead the way and see where they want this conversation to go, um, where they think from their lifetimes of experiences it needs to go and and do what I can to support that.
0: You mentioned the hate crime legislation. Um, I think if I remember right, you were, you're one of the sponsors of that. Um, uh, uh, bipartisan legislation. Why do you feel like that's uh, something you uh, wanted to take the lead on? You know, I,
1: um, have, uh, you know, I, I have experienced as a woman, as a friend to folks who fall in um, a number of categories that are routinely, um, you know, targeted, not for crimes, um, and, and for other, uh, just for other instances of discrimination, kind of all across the board. This hate crimes bill is limited to crimes. And I think that that's really important to emphasize this is only about crimes. This was important to me because I was hearing concerns from my constituents who were calling me, um, you know, all spring and summer long and saying, I just wish that I could feel like things that we're seeing happening across the country wouldn't happen to me here, but I don't feel that I know that, that our state government really cares if they do happen to me. Um, And I thought, you know, this is something that it's time for us to take the lead on. It's time for us to say, without a doubt, um, everybody deserves to feel safe here. Does that mean that crime will no longer happen in Arkansas? Does that mean that we will eradicate hate? Of course not. What it means is that you've got a leadership that says, it is unacceptable within our borders to target somebody who lives here because of, you know, these qualities of just that are fundamental to who they are Um, we do this with other um, with other groups so for instance we've got um, a law on the books already in Arkansas that enhances penalties if folks target law enforcement officers or um, other first responders based on their status as a law enforcement officer or first responder Um, when those came up you know, we didn't, hear, we didn't hear the same pushback about, oh, I'm worried we're being punished for what we think, or I'm worried this is, you know, we didn't hear any of that. It became very clear to me in the course of thinking about this bill and talking about it with colleagues that we hear that about the groups that are talked about in this bill, um, and we didn't hear it earlier. And, and I've, so, of course, I have to think, um, what's really at the base of our discomfort with this law? and if it's that we are somehow uncomfortable with the specific groups that we're aiming to protect here that just shows how important it is to those groups that we explicitly protect them
0: i'm uh trying to anticipate uh, you know the the devil's ar- argument side the other other oh, side yeah. of that equation and I, i'm you know, I'm imagining that it is uh, that the argument would be something along the lines of, you know, if I go out and I'm assaulted, um, you know, my my bones break the same as anybody else. My, you know, I, the wounds take as long to heal. Um, you know, that that the assault is the crime, um, not the thought behind the assault. So uh, help me to understand why why that that argument yeah, I, doesn't I think... make sense to you.
1: I'd say a couple things. Um, first, I think it may just be um, I think the folks that argue that may just fundamentally misunderstand what our particular bill does. So the bill that's currently in front of the in front of the um, well, it's not actually even in front of the legislature yet, but the bill that has been drafted protects any attack that's motivated by um, by gender or by um, by race or by religion, and so everybody. Um, If I'm targeted because I am white, I am just as protected under this law um, as somebody who is targeted because they're a member of a minority population. In other words, it doesn't only protect certain Arkansans. It protects every Arkansan from attacks based on these qualities. Um, Now we don't see a lot of, um, uh, you know, a lot of, I don't know what the word. We don't see maybe a lot of attacks against men based on the fact that they're men and so maybe prosecutors wouldn't choose to use this but maybe with the data collecting portion of this we would find oh my goodness christians are um disproportionately targeted for crimes in arkansas maybe this is something we didn't know beforehand the data collecting portion of this bill would help us gather that kind of information so i think i'd say that um and i'd also say that you know for every crime we have to do um we take in a whole host of things to enhance or decrease the penalties um that's certainly nothing new in our criminal justice system and and you're absolutely right that um your bones are going to heal at exactly the same rate but there are certain types of crimes that we take more seriously like for instance crimes targeting law enforcement officers there's a reason that we have protected that there's a reason that we want to send the message to our residents in this state that that is um that is a crime that is worthy of perhaps even more increased punishment, you know, an increased penalty. And again, we do that with all sorts of crimes, all sorts of factors. Um, there is just, it's so rare in this, uh, in our, in our justice system that there's just a one size fits all punishment for any crime. Um, and so I think that this is just one of the factors, one of the tools that we can give prosecutors to have in their toolbox to use, if they see something particularly egregious.
2: So, I'd like to shift gears a little bit and talk about the three, um, uh, the three proposal ballot proposals that are coming up in November. So uh, I'll go through them just with you. Let's start with issue one, the extension of the half cent sales tax, uh, for roads and highways. How are you going to vote and why?
1: I'll vote yes on issue one. You know, I think one of the things that I've really, I said being in the legislature was a steep learning curve. And for me, one of the things that, um, that it really opened my eyes to was how different the struggles are for folks in different parts of our state. Um, I know how how much we've benefited from road expansions in Northwest Arkansas, and I know how much that matters, but I really got to see the flip side of it when I saw how many of my rural colleagues' districts were really, really hurting um, by their lack of infrastructure and how much we are hurting, you know, really small town Arkansas. Um, and that's an equity issue to me. Um, and so I, I voted yes to, um, Sorry, so I will vote yes um, on issue one when it comes up uh, before me in November. I don't think it's the perfect answer. Um, you know, I think sales tax is inherently a little bit problematic um, because it is, you know, it is regressive. Uh, but this is the funding that the legislature voted to refer to the people. Um, we've got to get this funding from somewhere, and you know, I would hate for it to to. I would hate for us to have to dig into our other coffers, um, and I think that this is just, this is critical funding that needs to pass. So I will vote yes on issue one.
2: Okay. And issue two is the, the proposal that would change the way, uh, re- change restrictions on, on serving in the legislature, terms serving in the legislature. So instead of a 16-year maximum, you can serve in the legislature 12 years, take four years off, and then come back for another 12 years. So uh, what, what's your thinking on issue two? How will you vote and why?
1: You know, I am actually, I'm really, I think that any vote on issue two would sort of be reasonable, if that makes sense. I know that's probably the wrong politician answer. I should have a very firm response, and I should accept no alternatives. Um, But, you know, I think that um, 16 years as a legislator, uh, I think that's a pretty healthy amount of time. I would certainly see the danger in term limits that are too short. When they were six years in Arkansas, I know um, how many good folks were bumped out before they really should have been, and you know, just seeing the the reality of the ins and outs of how it works down there. You know, the, the first term and the third term, I think back in those days, um, were almost sort of a wash, and really that gave you one term, that term in the middle, to really get everything done you needed to get done. I think that ends up giving lobbyists and other you know. Um, folks that are that are down there all the time have those connections have that um, institutional knowledge I think it ends up giving them an outsized advantage in the political process and so I do think term limits can be too short Um, I will I you know I, I right now I am planning to vote no on the term limits because I think that 16 years is a good amount of time um, and, I'm, and I'm happy to serve those 16 years and then be all the way done without taking four years off and coming back. Um, but it's not about what, what's best for me. It's about what's best for government in Arkansas. And um, you know, I think whether those term limits are 12 years or 16 years, um, there are reasonable arguments to be made in favor of both. Um, but I think anything shorter than 12 years, and you really do start to look at giving um, lobbyists and other groups um, too much power in Little Rock.
2: And then uh, issue three, the the proposal that would um, uh, change the rules on on how um, uh, citizen initiatives make it to the ballot. Uh, how do you feel about that one?
1: Uh, yeah, so I'm a no on issue three. I think that we need to make it. Um, I think you know Arkansas has always been. Um, it was designed to be a very populist state. Um, I think that issue three, while it's being framed as as taking away power from out-of-state groups. Ultimately, what it does is it takes away power from from folks in Arkansas who want to get something on the ballot. It makes it much harder to get something on the ballot without a huge amount of money um, and resources to to get these various um, thresholds met. Uh, It makes me very nervous that uh, it happened in the wake that this was brought to the people, in the wake of a couple of things passing on the Arkansas ballot that I know a majority of legislators didn't like
0: okay listeners i wanted to uh, let you know that uh, zoom dropped our recording at this point and uh we had a uh, what i think is like a 10 or 15 second break before it picked up the recording uh in the middle of her answer to this question on issue three uh so uh right after this it picks right up and continues to the end of our interview but i wanted to make sure you were aware that we had a technical issue as those things happen sometimes that uh, prevented the recording of her complete answer but we did just miss a few seconds of it so now we pick up where the recording uh picked up again uh, so the uh, tell me what you'd like to see happen with that do you think that's the the, the role the state ought to, ought to take uh in, in terms of protecting the buffalo river
1: yeah, I'm certainly in favor of it. You know, the buffalo is something that is so important to my district and my constituents, and it is such a jewel of our state that um, that once it's it's uh, past a certain point, we won't be able we won't be able to do anything in retrospect to get it back. So we've got to be smart. We've got to be forward thinking, and I think a permanent moratorium would be um, would be a really wise way to get us there. I know it's something that I hear about. Anytime I have an event, anytime I ask for public input, I cannot tell you how worried the folks are in Northwest Arkansas about preserving the Buffalo River—not um, just for the enjoyment that it brings to to our lives, which it does, but also to all of the good things that it brings. Um, that it brings the counties who get so many visitors um, from across the country who want to come and experience um, how magical that part of our state is. So yes, I'm certainly in favor of a moratorium. Okay.
0: Um, and then lastly, uh, for me, um, give us just any final thoughts on what, any issues we haven't asked about that you think are are critical, particularly to this election, uh, where voters will be going in and, and have a choice to make at the ballot box. Um, uh, give me your sense of, of anything we haven't asked about that, that you think is important for uh, voters to keep in mind.
1: You know, I just think that, um... It, this isn't so much of an issue as it is just just a general observation but I think that we have seen so much of what can happen on the national scale if we let um, if we let our worst instincts take over I think for me what I'm looking for this election and in, in the people that I'm voting for um, and in the things that I'm voting for are um, you know how do we bring back or how do we conserve you know keep leadership that is compassionate, um, that is above kind of the typical party back and forth. And that is just here to want to help to make a difference and to hear the concerns that folks are facing on the ground every day. Nothing has taught me more about leadership than the last six months trying to serve through COVID. Um, Realizing that at the end of the day, when it's a matter of life and death, um, the things that matter most to people are good information And leaders who are willing to listen, and I think that the importance of those two things cannot be overstated Um, COVID will continue to I think dominate this next legislative cycle, think about the kind of leaders, you know that that you want that you know that Arkansans want. um, To lead them through these times, I think that's what. Uh, It's harder to articulate, but I think that that's something that is going to be driving a lot at the ballot box this November, and is something that um, that we should continue to talk about, because this is far from over and and the types of leaders that that emerged um, during this crisis, I think will play um, play a big role in the next few years.
0: Okay, well, Rusty, any further questions.
2: No, I don't. Uh, Nicole, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate you spending time with us today.
0: Thanks, y'all. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate it very much and uh, uh, enjoy the rest of the campaign. Thank you. Okay, take care.